From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fire some freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? It is November the 1st, 2023. Time for another Clover Tack Podcast powered by our friends over at Monstrum tactical more about them here in a little bit we got sam from ea8 waiting patiently back in the uh, green room back there we'll bring him in in a minute we'll talk about everything he's doing we'll talk about ea8 we'll talk about all the cool stuff so as uh folks are are filing live right now let me just say to those that are in replay uh join us live sometimes why because if you join us live you have the ability to participate in the chat out there to ask questions and all of that good stuff. But if uh, you don't, that's all cool because wherever you're listening in podcast form, there's probably a comment section below and you can jump in and participate in the conversation down there as well. Uh, big shout out and thanks to the YouTube channel members uh, who are enjoying, hopefully enjoying, I guess, all the cool things like the daily vlogs and behind the scenes and all that stuff. Uh, if you are looking into potentially becoming a YouTube channel member, uh, there's a little join button if you're watching on YouTube down below. If you're in some other format, uh, probably in the description, there is a uh, link as well. Uh, proud, as always, to be a member of the Farms Radio Network, farmsradio.net. Go check it out. All kinds of cool podcasts from the self-defense to the 2A to uh, the industry side of uh, the firearm world and community and uh hunting that already say that and everything in between so a lot of cool stuff going over there a lot of cool podcast fivesradio.net and then uh yeah we got to talk a little bit just briefly here about monstrum tactical before we do that uh there's ghost tactical as a new channel member so what is up ghost um yeah monstrum tactical so you know i talk i've talked every podcast and by the way we are what two we've got two more after this in this season and it'll be uh, over into february or march before the early 24 season kicks off so uh the uh, post shot show anyway so uh soak them up while you can for this season but uh, you've heard me all season long talk about monstrum and uh really looking forward to to playing around with uh, a few of the things that i haven't really gotten to play around with i've got a couple of optics from them that so far I haven't had anything that, that really that they go on that they match up with, but hopefully in the next month or so I will have some things coming in that I think will fit the bill for that. Uh, but so far the Banshee LPVOs uh, on things like uh, they're back here somewhere I can't touch them, but I can point to them uh, like the uh, Bursa, which is right over here, uh, BAR15 as well as the uh, Anderson uh, AM9 back there. Both have Mostrum. LPVOs. So whether you're looking for traditional optics, LPVOs, uh, or sights for all those rifles you have, flashlights, mounts, rings, all that good stuff. Uh, our friends over there at Monstrum Tactical, they've probably got something uh, that uh, will fit the bill and fit your budget. That's one of the cool things about Monstrum. So yeah, with all that bloviation out of the way, let's get to Sam in the house, man. What's up? What's going on, man? How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Thanks for uh, jumping in. Thanks for joining us. We, yeah. uh, 
you're kind of the new man on the totem pole there at uh, EAA, so it's going to yeah, be yeah. kind of a kind of a forged in fire type scenario here. Your first uh, podcast, I guess, and then then uh, you haven't been with the company that long, so uh, this that's this could get interesting quick. <laughs> about six months now, yeah, June. Uh, no, it's been really good. Um, I came on in June. Uh, before that, you know, uh, I was in the army. I worked at a retail gun store and then uh, I was with a different manufacturer at the time. And then that's what kind of moved me into marketing. Um, And I got on, like I said, with, with EA probably about June, Uh, but it's been really good. we got a lot of new products coming out, a lot of stuff in the works. Um, You know, your good friend, Chase, you know, we've been working hand in hand trying to, you know, get all this stuff in and get it out. And, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been an experience for sure. It's been awesome. Right. Now, yeah. how did uh, how did that work going from the army and then into getting into the marketing side? What's what's the story behind that? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I I was active duty in uh, 2012 to 2015. I got out. You know, I was like looking for a job, whatever. We went to a gun store uh, down here in Clearwater, Florida, and uh, my buddy was like, "Well, you know, they're always hiring." She's so like, "I guess I'll." you know, apply for a job here. And then next thing you know, I'm working at the gun store. I did about four years there. Yeah. Just selling guns retail, you know, nothing, nothing crazy, but it was a good time. I learned a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, and then I got on with the uh, Kimber manufacturing back in 2019 and I worked there for about four years. And that's when, uh, you know, I got into marketing from there. Um, and then that's when, you know, I met uh, Keith and Chase and came down and, you know, got the role that I'm in now. Right. So it's a pretty linear path. So, yeah. And that, that's a, that's a trajectory that, that a lot of folks in the, uh, in the firearm industry, particularly marketing, I think take is they, they start behind a gun counter somewhere. And then the next thing you know, it sort of ends up yeah. that way. I think it's um, either, yeah, it's either marketing or sales, whichever way. True. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. That um, do it both. Which do you, the sales side or the marketing side kind of driving the sales or handling the sales, which do you actually prefer? Obviously marketing if you're doing it, but let's be yeah. honest here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like the marketing aspect, you know, pushing pushing them to the point of sale and then right. let the sales guys cover it up. Yeah. Right. A little more creativity yeah. and, and whatnot behind that too, I'm supposing. Yeah. Right, right, right. And you get to meet With, all the fun uh, influencers and stuff like Clover Tack, you know? Yeah, I don't know about all that, but <laughs> with uh with four years behind a gun counter, now that shop, and uh, you don't have to name drop or anything like that. It wouldn't do any good anyway, probably unless folks were from that area. But yeah. was it a pretty big shop? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, they had like they have nine retail locations here in Florida. Wow. Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they run the gun shows, all that kind of stuff. So it was yeah, big shop operation. Okay. It was good though. You know, you get a lot of exposure to a lot of stuff. And probably seen a lot of crazy things. I'm sure working behind the uh, you know tails from behind the gun counter type yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, sure, right? Yeah, but it, it, <laughs> you know what? Honestly, it's probably the best move to make because that's where all the actual gun purchases happen. So it's good to have some experience back there and know what they're right. seeing or what they go through versus what you're seeing and what you go through. Right. There's two different perspectives. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, you know, getting into that was, was that your first, uh, kind of your first jump into like the farms world or did, how was growing up? I mean, were you around yeah. farms regularly and that sort of thing? Not like this. No, not even close. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, no, uh, not until I got in the army was like guns really, really kind of introduced, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. 
but yeah. And that's by that a, point, it, I was twenty. Yeah, that's a pretty common story, you know, that I hear. Uh, folks are not uh, not necessarily uh, accustomed to, you know, the fire culture community. Not around them a lot, and they get into the military and they kind of get out and and um, you know, at that point, it's kind of a thing for whatever reason. Yeah, you know what that makes me think of though is uh, yeah. people from New York or California. Not knock. I'm not knocking New York or Californians. Yeah, we are. Uh, I don't. I don't mind. We can. I, I can. We approve that on this program. So we're okay. good. No, but uh, I know a lot of people from New York um, that you know they have zero experience with firearms. They don't have any, um, you know, accessible firearms to you know even train on or get accustomed to. And right. Uh, eventually, you know, the big move is for a lot of Northerners to move down south, right, to the hotter states, and you know, Florida being one of the most popular ones. Um, people come down here and next thing you know, they have more firearms than people who've lived here their whole lives. Right. Cause, uh, yeah, they get into it, they get exposure to it. They realize how safe they can actually be and how, right. you know, enjoyable they are to train with and, you know, kind of changes their perspective. Well, and, and because they can, right. Like that's the answer to a lot of questions. You know, you, you get, um, and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be four by fours. It could be boats, it, it, firearms. It doesn't really matter. But you always get people that's like, well, why do you need that? Or why do you want that? And it's like, because I can. Like, it's the, yeah. the, only, it's the only reason I really need, right? Yeah. And so once people move from places like that and they have the freedom then to own various things, it's, it's simply sometimes it's just they go crazy just because they can. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah, there's a reason people like them so much, right? There's yeah. some endorphin in your brain that goes off when you fire a gun or ride a four-wheeler or, you know, blow up, you know, five, 50 pounds of tannerite in a forest somewhere. You know, <laughs> right. there's something that goes off in your brain that's like, I need to do this again, you know? Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's what, an adrenaline thing, I guess. Yeah. I, you know, and with firearms, if you, if you think about it, and I think that's probably what, what turns a, a lot of people off those that aren't experienced with it is, you know, when you, you get into firearms, you're, you're literally controlling and directing an explosion. And it's mm-hmm. the simplest terms. That's what you're doing. And that freaks a lot of people out until they see like kids can do it. This is, that is not difficult. There's a few basic safety rules that you have to yeah. follow. There's a few fundamentals. If you, mm-hmm. you know, want to hit what you're aiming at or whatever, direct it properly. But outside of that, it's 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 super easy. It's, it yeah. seems like this huge thing, and it seems like it's scary. And then when you get out and pull the trigger, it's like, eh, maybe not. Yeah, you could say, like, the same thing for, like, tandem skydiving, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody, you know, you just think of the worst scenario, and then eventually you learn the safeties, and you learn the technique, <laughs> and next thing you know, you're a certified skydiver. Yeah, you're out there. You're out there doing it. So as far as, uh, as far as you're, you know, currently or anything, do you, you know, I know you're busy with the marketing and all of that. And, and we're definitely going to get into, throw some questions out there, by the way, in the live chat, if you have them for Sam or you have them for EAA or products and, and we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely get to those. But, um, as far as your day to day, though, you're busy with, with EAA and of course they're keeping you busy with all the, the new releases and the cool mm-hmm. stuff coming along. But, um, do you get time to go to the range? Do you shoot in any competitions? What's the, what's the day-to-day burning ammo, pulling triggers look like for Sam? Yeah. Uh, I think I shoot a lot less now than I, you know, did back in the day when I worked at a gun store with a range, it might've right. been a little easier. Oh, they but, had a range. Um, okay. Nice. The gun store I worked at. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I tried USPSA, but I shoot mostly IDPA matches. Um, cause my wife, she likes to shoot those. Uh, the place we lived at in Alabama had like a really relaxed environment and the, the training staff was very helpful and mm -hmm. it kind of got her going through the steps and teaching her, you know, how to shoot IDPA. So I kind of kept on it from there and right. I'll go to the range maybe once every one or two months you know, mostly to blow dust off and, uh, you know, sure. get after it. But I haven't shot an IDPM match in probably eight, 10 months. Well, that's, that's more recent than a lot of people. I will say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I have brought uh, everything here with me to do it, but I just haven't done it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty cool that your wife, uh, is, is kind of into that and all too, though. Um, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. anytime that, You've got a scenario uh, where, you know, you could get the family involved and that sort of thing. Uh, it can be a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, it can be just like fishing or hunting or it can be like, you know, off-roading or camping or hiking or anything else. You know, you make it a family activity. Uh, and I think that's where you get, you get generational firearm owners that way as well and generational Second Amendment uh, advocates out of it when you, right. when you make it a, a family event. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you uh, you talked about the range in Alabama. So you're not talking about the Talladega range, are you? No, 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 no. Okay. This was a small, okay. like just small a normal. Okay. Yeah, just a just a. It's called Central Alabama Gun Club. Shout out gotcha. to that. Great okay. range. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you been to the Tal Talladega CLP uh -huh. range? Yeah, yeah. That thing's beautiful, than dude. Like beautiful. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was so upset. We had a um, uh, shooting sports showcase, which is a, a media event put on by several uh, fire ministry media groups. Um, did did a uh, media range day there two years. And uh, this year, they was supposed to happen in March and they canceled. They said, we're going to move to September. And then they canceled and it broke my heart because it was yeah. an opportunity to go shoot on that range, which is if you people, if you've never been, if you, if you want an awesome shooting trip and you're within a day's drive or, you know, maybe that you know, one stay over one night, stay over, um, Talladega CMP marksmanship park. I, mean, I don't care if you shotgun, long range pistol. It's an awesome facility. It is amazing. Yeah. Long range is the way to do it. Cause I think they have the, uh, they have those electronic targets set out oh, there, so you're not running they paper have those, back and down. And they have those even at a hundred yards, though, too. Yeah, which is freaking cool. If you've ever seen the electronic targets, um, those things are pretty neat. I mean, no going out there sticking targets up, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, just you sit down like, at a bitch and go to work. That uh, I think it was Jack Reacher. You know, he's got to walk like oh, yeah. half a mile down there to hang a target, walk back. Right. None, none of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I can get hairy too, especially on a public range. That's one of the things that, uh, you know, I'm blessed too for the longest time how property it and been able to do things here. But there are occasions um, in the past for whatever reason, you know, I've joined a public mm -hmm. range or something like that. And some of the public ranges, man, you don't want to walk down the range and hang a target because, like, you don't know what somebody's going to do back on the firing line while you're doing that. You know, you don't have RSOs. Uh, you know, it's just one of the things where there's literally a lock on a gate and you go out there and unlock and go in. And so you can be downrange, you know, hanging up targets and all of a sudden, you know, somebody's 
ripping off a magazine. You got to, you know, you're yelling, Hey, oh, stop, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, thankfully it's never like in your direct direction, but right. either way you're down range and there's, there's live rounds going off and it's like, that's not cool. Um, yeah. Chris with the seven, four, zero out there. He's uh, talking about uh, Talladega and pieces. That's one of the coolest ranges he's been to. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. exactly. She fires out there, uh, says Clearwater says, uh, we're neighbors says I probably know which gun store you're talking about. So, uh, Florida gal there, yeah. uh, and a ghost has a, a question says, uh, Sam, since getting out of the army, you might enjoy taking some training. That's oh, not a question. He says, since getting out of the army, you might enjoy taking some training classes. I take a couple of CQB classes every year and some force on force that might get you excited so have you done anything like that mm -hmm. yeah i've taken some cqb classes and stuff um right i'm still in the national guard so i still do that oh okay yeah and uh now what yeah now what as far as uh in the army we didn't cover that i mean and if you don't mind sharing anyway um what did you do in the army was it firearm related Oh, uh, no. Um, okay. I was a, uh, forward observer or I am a forward observer, I guess still. Oh, okay. uh, so yeah, you call in artillery and, um, air support, stuff like that. So that sounds like, like a, a tattletale, man. Just saying. No, 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 no. It's a, it's actually a really awesome job. Next time we, next time right. we link up, I'll show you some videos of maybe like A-10s flying over or, you know, artillery hitting the ground and blowing stuff up or that's probably you know, a lot of like and probably a lot of sneaking around too i gotta figure right a little bit you're kind of far out you're yeah. not you're not a, you know you don't want to be too close but no it's really good i like it a lot i enjoy it y'all got but y'all got equipment to be able to paint from a very long distance anyway right oh, yeah that type oh, yeah. of stuff mm -hmm. yeah what was satellite and laser and all the crazy stuff going on nowadays so, yeah 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 all kinds of stuff for sure but no it's it's a really cool job i enjoy it um I had, when I got out of active duty, uh, you know, the like reclass of the guard, they offer like, Oh, you can do this. You can, you know, whatever. And I was, I just wanted to keep my, my specific MOS. Right. So. Now, as far as the guard goes, um, for people out there that, that may be interested or whatever, uh, what are the requirements for, for something like that nowadays? That's the one it's typically, typically it's the one weekend a month, two weeks out of the summer, you know, it, it can vary here and there depending on what kind of training cycle you're in or, you know, whatever, but right. That's pretty yeah. standard. Yeah. Okay, cool. And do they, they tend to keep you fairly close to home or has that usually work? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You typically serve in the state you live in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so let's shift gears. Let's go, uh, let's go jump over to uh, talk about EAA a little bit. Okay. And uh, so you came in post uh, post in ram. What'd you say, June ish? Yeah, or so. Uh, when was yep. in ram? Out out there, April, I think. Yeah, April, April yeah. Just mm -hmm. when uh, in ram was. Um, what was your first? What was the first release? Because we were we can talk about some new stuff and all that potentially here in a little bit. But uh, you got brought on, and what was the first thing that they handed? They said, to "Sam, uh, here you go, do this." Yeah. The the first big one is, is the lightweight, the high power lightweight. Okay. So that's been the first big one. Um, that gun's been doing really well. Uh, it's a great gun. I know you've seen it. Um, yep. So we're happy about that. And then, yeah, I came in after NRA, but the you know the Witness twenty three eleven 
has just started shipping and getting out and getting coverage. So that's been right. really nice. Um, and by the way, shout out, shout out and thank you, by the way, uh, to interrupt you for a second, to the, uh, the, the wonderful ATF as well as the fine folks at the Department of State for totally screwing up the release dates on the uh, Witness 2311. We sure do appreciate our wonderful, wonderful bureaucratic government officials uh, in all their glory. Uh, okay, back to what you were, <laughs> you were talking no. about. Oh, that's so frustrating. Ah, but uh, no, yeah. the light, the lightweight. Um, yeah, you know they they released the shot cover out. It's like okay, we're going to release the, the witness twenty three eleven, and we're going to hang on to the MC fourteen T till in ram. And in, in hindsight, it's like hey, maybe you should have released the MC fourteen T shot and <laughs> renounced it and saved. But that's one of the things where you never know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but I mean, the 2311's got so much anticipation built up to it. So now that it's finally shipping, we're just getting bombarded with questions on how people can get them. And we're just just moving them as fast as we can, just getting them out, you know? So Right, right. Four now, and a quarter, nine inch, or nine mil. Right. Now, by the, uh, whenever you you came in, you said that the, uh, the PI lightweight, uh, mm-hmm. or the, I guess the, the lightweight uh, period, but the um, what was the learning curve coming in as far as trying to handle all the product lines? Because you know EAA and, and more specifically, I guess Grisson, right? They do the 1911s. They do the Grisson high powers. They do the uh, uh, the regards, which is the rather 92s basically or whatever. Uh, what the 1911s and, and there's some polyhead guns and what the mc28 a few other ones yeah, in there as MC9. well but, yeah. um but those particular ones even though there's only a few different ones the variations are insane like the different models within right the 1911 mc1911s or whatever sure, sure, sure. what kind of learning curve was was it or are you still trying to get used to all the different models and what they mean and what the options are and that sort of thing uh, no, I think I gotta, I mean, obviously things that are like maybe obsoleted at this point that I mm-hmm. haven't, you know, had any experience talking about or getting right. hands on with some of that stuff. I'll just go over to Chase and ask him and he'll, he usually has all the answers, uh, or Keith will, Keith will tell me. Um, but no, I mean, you know, 1911s, 1911s, I, you know, I picked up on the different, you know, variations, I think pretty quickly. And then, um, mm-hmm. you know. They've, they've all been really helpful and the website does a good job of laying it all out. Um, you know, Chase and Omar they have like nice spreadsheets that have everything kind of laid uh, out for me. So don't start giving Omar the big head. Omar screws up everything. Everybody out there knows that. I don't know. That rumor must've been started before me. Cause Omar, he's like, sits right next to me. He's my, you know, he's my go-to. Well, be careful. Chase. You got to watch Omar. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, and if uh, anything ever goes wrong, you blame Omar. That's the rule. So, oh, okay, okay, doesn't matter what it is. So just keep that keep that in mind as the, as the new guy. O- Omar is a scapegoat. Um, no, I mean I know that that when um, I know when the when the P thirty five, which is now uh, the Gerson high power, um, first uh, first dropped uh, at that time. Uh, I was playing around with the uh, MC1911, the 10 millimeter and the six inch, the Hunter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so first, and of course, I I'd played with the Gerson High Powers at range events and a lot of other a lot of other things. I just never had one here for any extended period of time. And um, until the uh, the lightweight. And one of the things that why I asked you about the different models. I'm sitting here now trying to think of this model. Okay, your son high power MC P35 PI lightweight oh, ops. And it's like, oh my God, like, could there be any more? Like, can we come up with like a one name thing for a firearm, folks? Like, I had one complaint with EAA. It's like, they just keep tacking on things at the end of the, it's, it's like, it's almost like that person, and you probably know some like this. It's that person that continues to go to college to get letters behind their name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like Reverend Doctor John Smith, P A M C T Y L M N O P Q R S, or something. It's like holy moly. So that's why I asked. Like, keep it up with it could be could be difficult. Even uh, Ghost of I, which was out there. Yeah, you know, we've got both got the uh, lightweights. Uh, he got the PI lightweight. I got the PI lightweight ops. I think is how it worked out or something. Yeah, he got and the we match. Like, you got the ops. He got the match. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And we was like, okay, what's the difference? Well, let's you know, let's figure out what the difference is because mine mine has more letters in the name. I guess I don't know what the you know. <laughs> uh, it could get it could get crazy, and so. Um, that was interesting when they brought back the witness 2311. And I don't know if you heard any grief over that or not, but Oh my goodness. Uh, even Actually, when that no. was, even that when that was announced, you know, there's so much, you know, the, the witness is synonymous with the, uh, Tenfoglio stuff, Tenfoglio right? stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when they brought the witness 2311, you know, there's some people, there's some, there's some tan fans out there that, uh, that I see that's like, I can't believe you know, it's not supposed to be a witness. It's not supposed to be a, a 1911, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. So surprisingly, <laughs> no, I think the, you know, uh, the most I hear is, you know, is that people want the 10 mil. That's like the, that's what we get hit on. And we're, we're getting it, you know, they're coming. We just, uh, right. you know, got to get them. But uh, no, I haven't heard too much flack over the witness name. I have heard some things here and there, but no one, that serious about it they'll just be like oh witness right. i thought this was tampa we go no it's a EA name yeah well a lot of people don't know that that uh that tampa is not under the that banner or whatever anymore either I yeah mean, yeah, seen, yeah you know i've they're seen in, that so they're brought in by um ifg italian Finance. uh i maybe yeah yeah, yeah. i don't Makes i don't sense. keep up anymore either yeah um they're okay at least the the older models that i'll you know, newer stuff, I can't speak to it in, you know, anyway, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, you know, one of the things about, um, uh, one of the things about importing and, and be curious. So had EAA being an importer, right. Um, before you got this job, uh, did you have any idea? I mean, have you learned much about the whole side of firearm importation? No, that's actually, that's an area I do eventually want to learn about, but that's mm-hmm. as of right now. No, it's, I don't, I don't touch the import stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you it, just picking stuff up, you haven't, that's what I'm saying. Before, did you, 
did you think that it was as complicated as what it is or is oh, it changed? You're did working you're... you're working with the government, you know, of course it's gonna be complicated. <laughs> come on, dude. Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't even have to know to know that. But no, I mean I you know, I hear you know, maybe some banter here and there. Uh, oh, banter! That's a nice way to put it with Paul uh, and, you know, and just, all them. But yeah, you know. And, uh, but no, I don't have any real experience with the uh, with the import stuff. So yeah, not yet at least. Well, I was just curious because I, I mean, until until my relationship with uh, with EAA or whatever, um, I was like, I think a lot of people out there, and I thought, oh, well, they just you know they just order firearms from somebody that's making them overseas, and they. You know, bring them into the country, and yes, uh, they have to deal. Yes, they have to deal with the government to do that, right? But you know, I never thought about the communication that has to take place. I never thought about the subtle model changes, and you know, when we're talking about the the witness twenty three eleven, especially, there was some tooling and stuff, right? There was some tooling issues with that uh, that involved the Department of State. I'm not going to get too specific and tell a bunch of business, but. Um, it was just so it's so complex that I had no yeah. clue. And, and a lot of folks out there, uh, the vast majority of people that are probably watching or listening to this podcast, it's just like you have no clue what it takes. Like manufacturing is so easy, I think, compared to importing. Yeah, I, that might be true. I don't know. I really don't know. I know that um, at least from my perspective, they have a very good line of communication with them. They, you know. Right. And, uh, so for the most part, they're, they're pretty, pretty on it from what it seems like to me, you know, uh, rocking and rolling and they take it very seriously and, you know, uh, very thorough, a lot of stuff that, you know, has its checks and balances. So I think it, I think we do a great job at it. Obviously we had to have done, been doing a good job cause it's been on for 33 years now, you know? Right. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing it right. You know? And I think that's why Keith, Keith, uh, is, it seems like it's all, he's always on a plane. You know, like, oh, Keith is here. Keith is there. If it's not, right. if it's not going to Turkey to, to oversee something or whatever with Gerson, um, and I've had Keith talk on the podcast before, even talking about this. So this is not, you know, insider information that, that he wouldn't tell you, but, you know, it's going like the optics that you guys, uh, have readily available on a lot of stuff. He's like, you know, he's dealing with OEMs, right. With, you know, trying to find the right optic for the right handgun or yeah. even shotgun in the case of the MC three twelves. Um spends a lot of time. Uh and I mean you have to. And I think that's one of the uh one of the great things about EAA, I think, as a as a company is Keith is is very, very good at what he does, which is um kind of the oversight and dealing with the manufacturers, right? Um and then you got Paul's kind of his right hand, right hand man. Uh, and then so from a design aspect and, and some of the things like that. Right. Uh, and then you get Chase come in on the distributor side of things, right? The sales, basically. So uh, other than Omar dropping the ball, uh, EAA seems to have at least for quite a few years now um, a pretty solid team, which is, is oh, awesome yeah. to see. And, all right, I'm going to back my boy Omar up here because <laughs> where I came from, we had two graphic designers. They were amazing, incredible, not not knocking them at all. They're awesome. I come over, Omar's a machine. The guy just knocks these phenomenal graphics out like they're nothing to him. So I give him a lot of credit. He's a, he's a beast at what he does. 
Well, a lot of people don't know this, but Omar, Omar, he just orders that stuff on Fiverr. So he does. <laughs> He's really good at it. He's really good at putting those orders in. Yeah, he's got a he's got a, a ghost account that uh, that his name's not linked to. And he just orders it on Fiverr through that, has it emailed, and he takes credit for it. Yeah, everybody Maybe knows that. Like you could yeah, you could true. take over Omar all you want, but everybody knows that's that's what he does. Right? Uh, uh, I'm waiting on him to get into AI, so uh, he could just have AI do it for him. But I don't yeah. think he's quite to that point yet. But I, I would agree a lot of the graphic work and stuff. Um, you know, I've had I've had situations where I was looking for, you know, whether it was, you know, man, I need an image to go with this video or I need an image to help with this thumbnail or do this or that. Yeah. And I will say this, the stuff that he does, good luck cutting the firearm out of it to be able to do anything. Because I've tried that before. It's like, well, the website. You know, typically you can go to a website and the website will have, you know, the static image or the white mm -hmm. background. And that's pretty mm -hmm. easy to cut out. But occasionally you need a different angle, you know. Yeah. And, and you'll go to like, you know, the social medias and you'll pull stuff up. But my God, with the gradients and all the weird stuff that and shadows and all the weird stuff that Omar puts in there. Uh, I, I would agree with you. He does. He, we pick on Omar, but he does good work as far as the, the graphic design uh, area of things for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, he does good stuff. <laughs> I know it's all love. So you've got the, uh, yeah, we talked about the, the PI lightweight. Um, now before the PI lightweight come out, uh, what experience had you had already with the, uh, with the Grisson high power? Do you had very much experience with it before mm -hmm. that, the, the steel frame version? No, I had coming into EAA, I only had uh, like Tanfo EAA experience from the gun store. Gotcha. So okay. when I came in to basically to interview with Keith and I, I you know, I came down, um, I was really, I really enjoyed handling the high powers. And I know, you know, I've, I've handled some high powers in the past. And, mm -hmm. you know, to me at the time, I was like, you know, maybe not my thing. But then I felt the, the, the ops that we had, the full size. And I was, you know, I was like, this thing is it's built right you know it felt yeah. good i'm more of a tactical kind of guy so if you put a rail on it i'm more inclined to buy it you know that's my thing yeah yeah um you know the this uh this pi lightweight here when it came into the when it came into the gun shop uh the owner and pretty much everybody in there had to of course look at it anytime i oh, go yeah, to pick yeah, up yeah. something anytime i go to pick up something everybody in there knows that hey we we got to look at this you know we got it what is you got it, it before the launch right yeah and and sometimes i have to tell them and i did with the pa light the the lightweight because it was nda and everything i'm like don't tell anybody like mm -hmm. you didn't you didn't see this um and um but everybody got to handle it, and the reaction was the same. I would say probably half a dozen people, but the reaction was the same. They were like, oh, my God, this feels so good. Like, this yeah. thing feels like in the hand just feels amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, the owner, uh, which I'm about to the point, I think uh, I'm going to drop it off with him. Uh, if not this weekend, then, then maybe the next. But he said, hey, whenever you get to a breaking point working with this, <laughs> he's like, will you bring it back up here, leave it for a few days, and let me play with yeah. it? I'm, I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I can do that. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. He was, he was so impressed with it. So, um, but, so, you know, it, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, me and Omar went to uh, the range here in uh, Palm Bay. And I wish I could think of the name. But we went to the range to do the photo shoot and do the, um, do the you know, the videography and stuff. And uh, so that was the first time I got to put rounds through uh, the lightweight. And, dude, that thing, I ran that like it was butter. I mean, it was like my groupings were tight. My shot placements were good. Um, it had very little recoil. So I felt really, really good about the whole thing. Um, and, and the, the longer the day went on, the better I got with it. So it was almost like I was slowly getting better at it. Like mm -hmm. as the day went on, you know? Yeah. So it was really, um, nice. and which one, which one was that? It was the ops, the lightweight. Ops. I think okay, it was the, the lightweight. Well, ops. we had both of them out there. We had the match and the ops. Okay. Okay. But they're both PIs. Right. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Here we go, folks with, uh, the confusion. Just say it. Um, <laughs> well, so like, one, you, have, you have Gerson, right? Which is the company that manufactured. <laughs> well, you put EA in front because we import it. You put the dash and you put Gerson because they make it. And then it's the high power, which is trademarked to Gerson high power. Right. And then you have the MCP35, which is their nomenclature for their Gerson high power. And then you have the PI, which is the private investigator, the detective size model. Then you have the lightweight. Then you oh, have the lightweight. Ops version. Or the it makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Or the LW. Yeah. 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 I just I just assumed with the long names, I just assumed that the Turks were of the mind that, you know, we have all of this room on a slide, right? Like, why waste it? Let's engrave mm -hmm. the entire side of the slide. We got to come up with a name long enough to fill it's it up. Like an extra cocking serration. You think about that. <laughs> like a little awesome. extra grip on there. You That's know? awesome. I didn't think about tactical. that, but you're, yeah, I didn't think about it's that. But you're right. Yeah. Uh, now it sucks for wrong-handed people because it's only all, that long on one side. But uh... they, they look. We don't. That's a known fact in the gun industry is you don't cater to left-handed shooters. Right. Right. That's right. part of the FFL license. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh man, that's that's crazy. Um, back to the uh, back to the witness twenty-three eleven. So the four, what the four to quarters are out now. That's mm -hmm. what's out now, right? Yep. And then. Um, Five inch and six inch slated to again, thanks to our wonderful government. Um, uh, eventually, that's all we yeah. can say pretty much at this point. Um, yeah. six and, inches only coming in the 10 mil, yeah. The six inch will that yeah. so still yeah. just 10 millimeter in the in the yeah. six. I, man, I'd like to see a nine in the six inch, I really would. Um, that'd be a sweet target gun, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I care about the, the 45 that much in the six inch, but the nine could be cool. Um, yeah, for sure. The, um, um, and then the five inch will be all three, right? Nine, 10, 45, yeah, eventually yep. again, eventually. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, but right then, now you're stuck with a four and a quarter, nine millimeter. <laughs> yeah. And again, that gun is built phenomenal. Feels great. It's under a thousand dollars. It's got, you know, an optic plate on the back so you can, or not an optic plate, but it's cut for an optic. Right. So you can run an RMS footprint, um, got the rail, double stack, flared magwell, nice light trigger. So I think, you know, it's a rock star. We're, we're, we've been looking forward to that for a while. Yeah, there, we've seen the, what was it, the, the grip frames at SHOT. Those are prototype grip frames, as a matter of fact, at SHOT. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like prior to that, was it... I don't remember if it was in round last year or maybe it was 
maybe it was something later in the year. I can't remember. But I remember seeing even a prototype grip fame that long ago, right? Yeah. Um, so I know that there's been a lot of, um, what would be the word? A lot of care, right? A lot of care and consideration into getting it. And I mean, rightfully so, because you've got, we talked about the tooling earlier, right? When you're manufacturing stuff. So you've got to get those molds and all that tooling and you've got to get it right because you don't want to yep. spend millions of dollars to tool up and get it wrong you know, and get it wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 20, 2011s, 2311s, double stack 1911s. They're all, that's the rise right now. Right. So mm -hmm. that's where everybody's going. And, uh, you know, to stay competitive, you got to do it right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no, there's no forgiveness there. So. Yep. Now, why do you think that, um, the 2011, the 2311, you know, that, why do you think that's become such a craze? Have you got an opinion on that? Mm, yeah, probably. Well, you know, probably, uh, the tactical advantage you get with, you know, I'll, I'll give you a story. Uh, uh, I bought my wife for IDPA. She was shooting my SIG 226, Ooh. which is the double double action, you know, single action. Yeah. And uh, that first shot, man, when she would crack that first shot off, it was always off by like, you know, who knows how far. And uh, so I got her a nine, a 1911 and I got her in nine mil. And she, you know, phenomenally gained like night and day difference how much better she did with a single action trigger. And, you know, in an all steel frame with, uh, you know, single action in nine millimeter it's really manageable recoil right it's almost you know super smooth yeah. nice light on the recoil very easy for follow-up shots um and then one day she didn't want to go so i was like well do you mind if i take it and she was like yeah take my gun. i don't care <laughs> so so uh i took it and i was shooting next to these guys who were shooting their 1911s and 45 and they're like it's sacrilegious to put a 1911 and nine mil ball they were talking all this smack to me and I think I came in second or third, I think it was third overall. And that was above a lot of the PCC guys that were shooting their wow. carbines. And cause it's just such an easy gun to shoot. And as long as you can just point it in the right direction, you know, you're going to hit, you know, the, the little a circle. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I think, and then, and then now you take that and you put it on a double stack frame, you're still getting similar comparable weight. You know, there's still a little bit of, you know, metal into the, uh, into the frame as well. Mm. Um, you've just doubled, you know, your mag capacity, uh, and it's still smooth as butter. Right. So yep. I think a lot of agencies, you know, they get that manual safety. They don't have to worry about, you know, it randomly going off or, you know, whatever. You got that nice audible click when you drop the safety. Um, I think that's where the craze comes from. I think it's also very cool. Right. So there's the tactical yep. tactical, aspect of it too right which everybody yeah. goes for you know i said it you put a rail on it i'm down for it you know what i mean yeah i think uh, i think you're right i think it's that marriage of uh you know modern versus you, know, you got that little bit of history a little bit of nostalgia yeah you know um because i mean you can't really dispute that sort of thing two world wars mm. right with the 1911 um but hey let's bring it up into mo more modern times and then, and then i yeah. think too Especially over the last couple of years, we've had, you know, we've had the summer love, we've had the cough golf, we had all this stuff going on. Uh, and we brought on a lot of firearm owners because of it. And oh, yeah. I think, and I think we get, we get, you get, we've gotten firearm owners. And I think that, I think the same holds true. And I think this is where 
this is nothing I haven't talked before with, with EAA, and I think EAA was just positioned so well with this. Again, with the regard, with the 1911s, with the um, uh, the Gerson high powers. But I think that the, um, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of California and New York that like to bug people, California, Calaveras says California legal 10 millimeter. Sam said earlier, you come in too late, Pickle. Sam said just move. That's the easiest thing. He said it would be easier for you just to move than it would for them to develop that. I'll uh, give California credit, though, because California, there's still a ton. I mean, first of all, there's just a ton of people there in general. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's a ton of gun owners in California oh, there are. that, that yeah. love firearms. And they're just, you know, they're just, you know, in a state that just, you know, has certain restrictions. But um, no, I we, think if you go to, you know, you go to Vegas, how many people come from Vegas just to go to SHOT Show that are in California, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, I picked, I picked with California. California is definitely a different, a different environment, I think, than New York, but even in New York, if you start, if you start talking about upstate, um, you know, it's even different there, like Northern California and upstate New York, totally different world. Um, and there's a lot of firearm owners. I, you know, I, I, I would be lying if I tried to quote the report, but it seems like California is like number two as far as firearm ownership behind Texas or something like that. Uh, it's again, big. I know it's don't big. Quote me on that, but it's it's pretty amazing. So yeah, we we kid with our California people and the New York people, but know that know that. Sorry, not sorry. In a way, and then <laughs> yeah. you come you come to the great state of Florida, you know, and it's the best of all three worlds, you know. I, I guess so, maybe. Personally. But then you got then you potentially have to deal with hurricanes, which just sucks. Those aren't know, even that uh, bad. Not even yeah, that bad. Sometimes, that bad. yeah. Uh, if you've been through some East Texas tornadoes, probably not, right? Yeah, or the Great Freeze of Texas. What was that two years oh, ago? Oh my God. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of goofballs that don't know how to prepare and think that things can never happen to them. You know, because you're right on the. You're right on the uh, Louisiana-Texas line, aren't you? Yeah, I'm um, ish. an hour-ish from the Louisiana border. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. So, um, but no, back to what I was what I was said about the 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 twenty three elevens, the Crescent High Powers, those metal frame, you know, uh, nostalgic, let's just say, uh, firearms. Uh, like the regard, I mean, good lord, like the Beretta. In the 1980s, like every action flick there was, every TV show, right? Like it was iconic, yeah. right? And so you got these iconic. Today. Oh yeah, absolutely. You got these iconic designs, and like I said, I think EAA was was positioned really, really well because you had this influx of new firearm owners, and I think a certain number of them they went out and they bought their Keltex or their Tars G3s or their whatever, right? Uh, high points, whatever it might be, right? They run out and they bought some type of a defensive thing. Uh, and then they made the right decision and they went to the range and they shot them and they, and they thought it's kind of like we were talking about earlier where you sort of get addicted to it. You, you feel the power, you realize you can control this explosion. Wow. This is a lot of fun. Right. And once they've done that and they have their defensive needs met, it's like, Oh, I've already got my defensive needs met. Then they start looking at what's pretty, right? Mm -hmm. What looks good. What feels good in my hand. What's, what's iconic. What's nostalgic. Right. And they start looking at things like that. 
And when you do, there's the trifecta with EAA, right? Yeah. <laughs> the 19th, yeah. the, the, the Breda, and the high power. I mean, you, you cover all three bases, which is crazy. Yeah. No, yeah, no, you're 100% right. I think that's actually probably the most accurate way people get into owning those types of guns, right? Mm -hmm. They start off with something safe, easy, good price point. You know, they learn the basics, they get comfortable, they take a couple classes, and then they go, okay, well, now I need to step it up. You know, now I, now I want to see, you know, now I can get something that maybe I just think would be fun. You know, right. yep. that concealed carry gun is a little snappy, you know, whatever. doesn't look pretty. Nobody really wants to talk about, nobody wants to talk about your small little nine mil concealed carry gun. You know what I mean? And <laughs> right. then you come out and you come out with the, you know, the regard Liberdor that's gold and, you know, oh, polished yes. chrome and it looks all sweet. It's got some nice grips on it. Yeah. And now everybody wants to talk about it. You want to take it to the range and shoot it. It's a lot more fun. It's comfortable, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. your confidence just builds from that. Yeah. No, no, totally. I mean, it's, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a pretty short leap from firearm owner to firearm collector. <laughs> yeah. Time. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a pretty short leap. Um, yeah. You mentioned the, you mentioned the, the different, well, we talked about the different, models as far as the standard the production models and the different variations but you just mentioned one there that uh, a lot of people probably should be aware of and it's something that eaa does regularly and i think i think this is probably thinks a lot to chase and and uh but the distributor models the spec you guys have a ton oh, yeah. of special distributor models that come out all the time so if somebody's looking for something unique again yep. eaa has it Yep. And there's a lot of energy behind that too, which I really like, you know, they get excited about, um, you know, Keith and Paul and Chase, right. they get everybody, everybody, you know, not just them, but everybody that works there gets excited about, you know, the SMUs that come out and the, you know, the Talo editions, the negotiators, right. Or the Liberdors or, um, any kind of SMU with some color variants that Omar gets to mock up. They get excited about those things because they know that they, they look good and they feel good and they're popular. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you've got solid performers, right, mm -hmm. uh, and the the big three anyway, uh, with EAA definitely proven. I mean, they're they're solid performers. That's the next evolution. Like, how can we make yeah. this look cool, right? Like, yeah, uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yeah, just they're just small tweaks, man. That just that's all it takes, you know, to put someone into the position of being like, you know, I was considering this, but now I'm gonna get this, you know. Mm -hmm. Yep, the smallest tweaks. Yep, and you're talking about having something like some of those runs. Do you know how many roughly uh, are in some of those runs? It's not much, like a few hundred or something in some cases. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, they can be small. They can be real small, and they can be really big. You know, I know. Uh, yeah, like the Taylor negotiators are very popular. You know, can't can't make enough of those. Um, the Liberdors, just we just launched those uh, part of our cultural series. You know, mm -hmm. and those exploded. So those are doing really well. Um, right. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it can be, it can be something small or it can be something huge, you know, it's just, right. yeah. Well, I was just, just speaking more to the, to the person out there that does want something unique, you yeah. know, uh, you're talking about, uh, you, you've got that reliability and, and everything else of the production model, but it's much more limited than a production yeah. model at the same time. You've got something right. that the guy next to you on the range is not going to have. <laughs> he yeah. may have that he may have that model but it's not going to be you know 
fancy grips and you know sure. gold inlays or you know some weird uh uh what am i thinking some weird paint scheme or whatever on it mm-hmm. yeah no you're 100 right yeah so let's uh let's switch gears here uh and i'll bring this up and we're gonna put sam on the spot with our uh segment that is coincidentally called on the spot uh brought to us uh by our friends over there at anderson and actually i had a uh, a good conversation but yet a private conversation with kyle from anderson uh yesterday i can't say what we talked about but we did talk about some things um but yeah anderson i pointed to it earlier the uh, am9 back here and i'm not touching it for those people watching me on youtube that like the tattletale but uh yeah the anderson am9 uh back there the only nine millimeter uh ar platform pcc that i have and it's i don't know that i need another one because it's pretty doggone sweet uh and then somewhere around here i think it's actually it's out in the man cave and i couldn't touch it even if i had it uh is the kiger and i'm telling you right now uh we had the ghosted clover podcast sunday we were talking about going to the Wanamaker Tulsa Arm Show. By the way, for those out there watching, for those out there listening, twice a year, November and April, uh, Tulsa, Wanamaker Tulsa Arm Show, largest gun show in the world, somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,500 tables, 11 acres, all under one roof. It's amazing you should go. Um, but we were talking about the wish list, and for a while, uh, a G19 has been something that's just always eluded me. And I've never found a, a Gen 3 G19 for the right price. I have a 17L and I have some other stuff. And uh, I told Ghost, I said, you know, he's like, what do you, what's on your list? And I'm like, well, one that's come off, I think, since getting the Kiger is the G19. Like, I've seen no reason in even entertaining unless it's absolutely dirt cheap because the Kiger is so awesome. So shout out, big thanks to... Uh, to Anderson for this segment. So Sam, you are up. You're on the spot. So the uh, the way this goes is answer these however you want. Caveat these however you want. Um, there are going to be a few wrong answers. I'm just going to prepare you for that. And if you get them wrong, I will admonish you for it. Okay. But uh, but yeah, you can caveat. We're just going to have some fun with this. So starting off, uh, what was your first firearm? Oh, okay. Uh... My first firearm was, oh man, it was either my SIG 226, which is the Mark oh, 25. You made some people jealous with that, probably. Yeah. Again, I worked at a local gun store, so, you know, it was used because <laughs> I'm smart and it was used. Uh, and I got it for a great deal. I think that was my first one. If not, it was a Smith & Wesson Shield uh, for my first carry gun. But I think... I think I got the Mark 25. I'll just forget you talked about the shield, first of all. I I don't have it anymore. That's one of the guns. You never want to sell. For one thing, I learned working at the gun store, and I tell this to everybody I know, um, the most people that come in to buy guns, not the okay, not the most, but a lot of people come in and they say, oh, I used to have this gun, and I sold it, and I regretted it. And I dealt with that all the time, maybe once a day. So, But that gun, no knock on Smith. I'm not dogging them, but... Uh, I sold that and it was okay. <laughs> right. I don't right. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Uh, first vehicle. I had a uh, Mitsubishi Eclipse, a 96. Oh, wow. No, it was okay. terrible. It would shut down. It was a standard shift because I thought I was cool. And uh, 
it would shut down on me randomly, just whenever. So I'd be on the highway, turn off. Down the road, turn off. Turn it on, turn off. Those were so cool, though. Yeah, that was a cool car. Even if it shut off. Even if it shut off. Like, like, yeah, Yeah. it's, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Favorite cartridge? Oh, I, nine mil. Well, that was boring. Yeah. That was boring. Uh, dude, you, what can't you do with nine mil? You know what I mean? Besides hit like a long distant target, nine shoot mil. Sporting like, plays, but I'm just saying. I mean, you asked. I could probably so. shoot sporting plays with a nine mil. You know? Oh, know. oh, oh, listen at him. Listen at him. You yeah. know, you may have a chance Not to do all, that if, if if you if you plan on making a shot show with the with the guys. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, favorite band or musician? Uh. So it's got to be a band or musician. So I, oh, dude, that's a tough one. Well, some kind of music. You could caveat it, however. You could say, hey, I'm yeah. listening to this right now. Or, hey, you know, I really enjoy this when, when I'm working I out listen, or whatever. Yeah, I listen to a lot of Motionless, Motion in White, Motionless in White. Mm-hmm. They're like a rock band. I listen to them a lot when I work out. But okay. favorite artist, Ludacris, for sure, 100%. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite vacation spot? You gotta get away. Where you where you normally go? No, I have to be specific with that. Like you go to this city oh, yeah. and well, stay on this street in this hotel because that's yeah. But you go up in the mountain yeah. somewhere. Room seven three zero two. Yeah. We like to jet uh, set across the world. We like to go to Italy and whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, when my brother in law got married, we did a week in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And Lake oh. on Lake Coeur d'Alene, like uh, we all pitched in and got a really big Airbnb, and that was probably probably one of the coolest spots. So I'll go with Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yep. Idaho, Idaho is pretty two A friendly too. So oh yeah, that's always beautiful, good. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, favorite breakfast cereal? Honey nut Cheerios, hundred percent Cheerios. If now, you can see my fridge, I got two boxes of them up there right now. Honey Nut Cheerios are good. That's a solid choice. Um, now, have you ever taken Honey Nut Cheerios and made the peanut butter treats with them? No. Not oh that I God. can think of. Are, do, are you okay with peanut butter? Some people hate peanut butter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Send, just okay. text me the recipe and I'll do it. Uh, I could do that. or I'm sure you could Google it or something. But uh, yeah, uh, Google foo it. But it's because I'm not sure what's in it. My grandmother has made them, and it's a as far as I know, it's a no bake thing. Um, you literally put honey nut Cheerios and peanut butter, and I mean there may be some marshmallow or something in there. Uh, but OMG, bro! Like and chunky peanut butter, by the way, too. Chunky peanut butter. Oh yeah, got, of course. Oh, oh. my god. Oh. Um, yeah, try try that out. You're welcome. If you like honey yeah. nut Cheerios and you're okay with peanut butter, I don't get people that hate peanut butter, but I guess it's a thing. Some people eat Nutella, which is the grossest thing I've ever tried to eat in my life. Yeah, but Nutella's too sweet. I think I don't know. To me, I don't. I don't know what it is about it, but it's just like no, just no. I could see people <laughs> being. I can see people being no nuts in their peanut butter to liking. The, now uh, I'm not a peanuts in there. That's okay. Now I'm not a chunky <laughs> peanut butter guy, uh, or crunchy, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and it's on principle. I think it was a, there was a comedian that said this one time, and, and I don't even remember who it was. So it could have been Bill Burr. I, I don't know who it was, but 
He's like, yeah, I don't like uh, crunchy peanut butter. He's like, I'm not paying more for somebody that for did less of their job. Less yeah. So it's like, you know, crunchy should be cheaper, right? Because they're not crushing all the peanuts. So, you know. When, when I lived in uh, Alabama, in Troy, Alabama, there's the Golden Boy factory out there, which I don't know if you know what Golden Boy is, but you probably do because uh, yep. they're more like a, yeah, like a South Central kind of thing. And, uh, well, I don't know, they probably everywhere, but anyway, so, uh, the lady that owned my gym that I worked out at, she, her husband was the, like the president of operations or something big. Right. And so she gave us like this tub, like a, like a Lowe's bucket of peanut butter. And it took us an astronomical amount of time to go through it. It was Whoa. insane. I mean, we were like, Partioning out to the dogs, we would eat some, you know, <laughs> right. like whatever we had to do, you know, like get rid of it. It was crazy. Peanut butter keeps for quite some time though, too. It'll separate yeah, it does, on you. Yeah. Is the is the bad thing. Uh have you ever had fresh peanut butter? That's that would probably be the most fresh peanut butter I've had. And that was probably if pretty I fresh, it. it sounds like. Yeah. 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 I had a uh I had a boss one time that that he did that. Uh, he made he made peanut butter. Oh my god, it was good. It was good, but it would separate so easy. Uh, that's yeah. one of the things you, you. Some of the foods we eat, the preservatives and some of the other junk they put in there, but that's why is mm. a lot of times to keep that stuff from separating quite so yeah. bad. But as long as you stir it up, though, you're good. Um, yeah. But I can see where if you had if you got a hold of some peanut butter that was separated. I can see where you would not want peanut butter anymore because it does look kind of gross when it separates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then you would, it's the same thing with sour milk. Like, you know, or, or spoiled bread, you know, you know when it's bad and you just throw it out and then get some new stuff. Right. You this, know. this, this is true. Uh, and we spent entirely too much time talking about peanut butter, by the way, but Hey, I told you in the pre-chat when we were getting ready for this, we'll go down Who some rabbit holes and yeah. we went down a peanut butter rabbit hole today. So you're welcome, folks. You got a peanut butter conversation out of it. That's um, what they came for. <laughs> right. They come for the come for the peanut butter, stay for the gun talk. That's what yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what the, the new uh, motto will be, I guess, or whatever. Um Sam, I'm gonna give you uh give me a second here. If folks want to check out Omar's work, I guess. Uh, and everything EA is doing, how do they do that? Oh, yeah. So eacorp.com, right? Not to be confused with uh, eaa.com. Um, so eaacorp.com. That's got all of our new products. It's got, you know, uh, places for you to, you know, figure out how to buy, um, you know, different routes for you if you need like sell sheets, if you're a dealer. Um, we have all that on the website. Um, and then, you know, you can subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new products that are coming out um, and follow us on social media. Awesome. Well, Sam, it's, uh, it's been fun, man. Hopefully it didn't hurt too bad. Yeah. No, not at all. And uh, are you are you planning on making a shot? As of right now, I think Omar is going to take the shot show. Omar is going to go instead. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. So Omar is going to go because he hasn't been. So it's gonna, I think he'll really enjoy it. Well, after we get through with him, uh, it'll be your turn for sure in 25 <laughs> because he ain't going to go back. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. just just saying. Just saying. If you're out there listening, Omar, we're coming for you, buddy. Shot he, I don't think he's, he's not scared. He's ready. Sam, <laughs> uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
And uh, with that one, yeah, we're going to close uh, this one out. So uh, tomorrow we will have, uh, who do we have? Sput targets. So if you've seen on the channel, you've seen the targets that we shot, that the powder flew out when we uh, shot the little targets. Those were sput targets. And, uh, yeah, we'll have them on the podcast tomorrow. So join us for that. I don't remember the time off the top of my head. It is scheduled on the channel. If you're listening in replay, well, heck, by the time you probably hear this, guess what? Uh, it will have already happened. And within a few hours, you'll probably have that in uh, audio and video replay. So uh, thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Big thanks again to those YouTube channel members out there, including Ghost, who joined earlier in the uh, stream here. Big thanks to, of course, Mossroom Tactical. Big thanks to Anderson. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. As for this one, we're done. So let me find my thing here. And uh, don't forget to chain fire freedom. Bye. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out clovertack.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Clover Tack Podcast.